Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. In the last episode of the show, our duo became a trio, as they were joined by Finn the Thief. Finn had offered them information about the whereabouts of a pawn shop within Oak Hollow, a nearby town, where their stolen goods may have been sold for a profit. The trio agreed to travel to Oak Hollow, taking a wilderness path across the plains to get there. Their journey took them three days, and on that journey they had a run-in with killer bees, which, as the name would suggest, had nearly killed Morris in the combat. As the party traveled more on their way, Morris had discovered that both Nem and Finn were actually traveling convicts, who in one way or another had given up their unsavory means for gathering wealth. Shortly after, the party had run into the fourth member of their party, a traveling cleric of the god Hemwall named Teriad. Upon arriving in the town of Oak Hollow, Finn was quick to point out where the pawn shop was and immediately took the party there. To the party's dismay, the greeting from the pawn shop owner was not exactly pleasant. Before we tread any further into the campaign, I think it's a great time that we do something a little different than we've done before. I want to now introduce a villain to our campaign. Though I don't anticipate this villain to last forever or be a long-standing villain, I do think that there should be some sort of an antagonist of some variety in the area that our party may run into. It's my personal philosophy with a project like this, that our villain needs to have plans for themselves so that as time goes on, their plans may unfold and our party will have to face repercussions for not dealing with this villain sooner. So let's begin by figuring out what makes for a good villain. Without getting too far into the discussion, I think that a great villain is always one that you can empathize with, or at least you can understand their villainous plans to a certain extent. While I want to create a great villain, I also want to respect the old school methods of gaming and not dive too deep and give this character way too much of a backstory. While I could simply create a mad wizard or a wild barbaric warrior, I think it would be more interesting if we took a very novel approach to this and went for something that's not really a trope in the hobby. And so, I would like to introduce you all to Talgor, 
the master of fear, a bard. And now I know what you may be thinking. A bard who is a villain? How could that work? To understand this, I think we need to look a little bit more at the campaign setting and understand that as written, Delagrad is an area which has a growing population of people who are either out of work or starving. With the current tax situation in Delagrad, businesses are struggling to stay open, and many of the common people are no longer able to pay for things or your everyday items, such as cloth, fabric, or tools. For this reason, many people have turned to banditry and other unsavory means of generating wealth. And while it is the case that not everybody would turn to this method of work to make money, there are definitely quite a few who have. And this is where somebody like Talgor steps in. I wanted to create a villain who functioned in a way that wasn't necessarily chock full of abilities, but instead was a common person who, when given the opportunity to rise above with the assistance of a certain magical item, an aptitude, and a desire, could do so splendidly. So I thought to myself, what kind of item might make sense for a bard to have that would allow for them to partake in villainous action? So I did what any self-respecting dungeon master might do, and I cracked open a book of magical items. The first thing that came to mind was one of the pipes. But I thought to myself, this doesn't seem like the kind of item that could really lead to a villain in a campaign such as this. And while summoning vermin or causing avalanches with one of the magical pipes could definitely be a villainous act, I don't think it really works with persuading bandits to do something for you. So instead, I took a peek at the monster manual and thought to myself, what about the pipes of a satyr? And I'm sure there's plenty of lore as to why the pipes would not work for a human, but I dashed that, and I thought to myself instead, if there was some way that this villain could have his hands on a satyr's pipes, and perhaps the pipes themselves were to function in a magical way, and he could retain some of the same special abilities, Talgor would certainly be a force to be reckoned with. Now, before I get too far ahead of myself, it's time that we roll up some stats for this man. To begin with, I'm going to have him function as a fourth level bard, for the sake of having him be a viable threat as the campaign continues. Now let's roll up some of these stats. Okay, strength, 3d6, we have a 10. Okay, that doesn't really impede anything. Alright, and for constitution, a 10. Okay, not bad. Dexterity, a 13. Perfect. Okay, this is definitely leading to the archetype I was thinking of. But we gotta hope that charisma is good as well. Now for intelligence, I got a 9. That's fair. Perhaps this man's not all about brains and instead is chasing petty desires. Wisdom, a 10 as well. You know, looking at these numbers, he's definitely a very average character thus far. But let's see how charisma goes. Okay, wow, okay, perhaps fate is on our side with this one. I got a 16 for charisma, and this certainly feels like the build for a bard. Unfortunately, he is a bard, so he isn't going to have very much health to him, but at fourth level, he's going to have a decent amount, so let's roll that real quick. A 
Okay, with his four hit die, he has a total of 18 HP. Not bad at all, honestly. As far as magical spells he'll have at his disposal, I figure the three spells that make sense for him, in my mind, are Detect Danger, Fairy Fire, and Entangle. His magical pipes allow him the ability to charm others, cause fear in others, or make characters fall asleep. I'm going to wait a little bit before I dive too much deeper into this character concept and see how it fits into the campaign as the campaign continues. But as of right now, in my mind, Talgor, the master of fear as he likes to refer to himself, is definitely an egotistical character. I like to imagine he's very greedy to the point of avarice, and he's definitely something of an ill-thought-out leader. I imagine he probably has many names and many titles, definitely ones that he's given himself, and even though he probably is on many wanted posters in Delagrad, he loves the popularity. Whether or not that is infamy or renown, it doesn't matter to him. Talgor has one thing on his mind, and that is to be powerful and feared. Chapter 4, Part 1 Day 4, Midday Party Status Maris, 6 out of 8 hit points Nem, 8 out of 8 hit points Finn, 4 out of 4 hit points and Tariad, 5 out of 5 hit points Finn stands within the pawn shop of Okalo, staring back at the owner who had just shouted at him an entire string of insults that left him speechless and a little bit afraid before I get too far ahead of myself, I think it's time we roll a reaction roll to see exactly how Finn and this pawnbroker actually are as friends or foes. Now remember, Finn gets a plus one on his reaction roll, which may not seem like a lot, but on 2d6, this may mean something great. Let's see that roll. I rolled an 11, plus one is 12. That means this character is likely to be very helpful now let's give this guy a name, because it's not very fair to an apparent friend of Finn's to just refer to him as the pawnbroker. His name will be Callan Silverfingers Adishel. He's often referred to as Silverfingers by his friends, but also by those who do lots of business with him. As Finn stood silently with his mouth half agape, planning out his next string of lies of how he might get his way out of this, before he got stabbed by that mean-looking half-orc behind him. Silverfingers put his hands down on the table in front of him, and a smile creased his face before breaking into his wide grin. My friend, why the long face? Are you not happy to see me as I am happy to see you? Finn could not believe his luck. As a smile crossed his face, he stuck out a hand across the table and quickly shook hands with Silverfingers. The remaining members of the party walked into the establishment at this point, past the curious half-orc who eyeballed them all with a certain look of disdain. Finn quickly turned to look to his party and gestured for Silverfingers to see. Finn quickly explained their presence. Well, uh, Silverfingers, these are my friends, uh, my companions, Nem, Morris, and Teriad. Silverfinger's smile slowly faded away as he recognized these companions 
may not understand the kind of business that Finn and himself run. And as he assumed much more of a firm business posture, he looked to Finn and said, Well, for you to drop by at a time like this, I'm assuming there is a reason. I suppose you don't just stop by to see my pretty face, eh? As Finn began to scratch at the back of his neck, he squeaked out a bit of an explanation. You know, the thing about it is that my friends here uh, had a run-in at a tavern not too far from here. And we're starting to think that maybe you may have come in contact with some of their stuff. So, uh, I was just wondering if you happen to have a run-in with any of these items, perhaps? As Finn began to explain in more detail the tavern with which the party had had their things stolen from, Silverfinger's face faded from a half-smile to a quarter-smile to a look that was very glum and unfortunate. Recognizing this shift in demeanor, every member of the party slowly began to realize the unfortunate news they were about to receive. My friend, I wish I had much better news to give you. But unfortunately, I have had many items come from that location, and I promise to you, I will not request any of those items come my way ever again. You have my word on that, as he slowly nodded to every member of the party one by one in his promise. Unfortunately, those items are now long gone. I've already passed them off, and they've made their way to the city of Thadal, if it is true where they have headed. But, because you are a friend, I am more than willing to compensate for this mistake. I will offer you whatever gear I may be able to muster. But I have something for you that may be worth more than just this gear. If you are to help me with a certain task, I would be not only willing to pay you handsomely, but I think you may also find some perks along the way. As his smile returned to his face, it seemed that Silverfingers was happy to see something of a symbiotic relationship forming between the party of adventurers desperately looking for their lost gear and his own need to fill his pockets. You see, I had a certain shipment of cargo coming from Thadal itself. I won't disclose much of what this parcel included, but I will say that it has not reached my place of business, and this is not good. The one who needed these things has me as a drop-off point. He is not one to be trifled with, and he is not one to tolerate misfortune such as this. I have used every excuse I can muster, but unfortunately I think time is limited. This mistake will cost me greatly, but it could certainly fill your pockets with gold as it could fill mine. Finn quickly looked back at the party and recognized that they seemed to be in agreement about this kind of a job. While it didn't seem perfect, it seemed like a way to make some money and to get themselves back on the road. As Finn looked back over at Silverfingers, he said, Alright, now what's the catch? Silverfingers began to prepare for the impact his statement might have. Well, you see, unfortunately, uh, the ones who were supposed to deliver it survived. They said that they were waylaid and raided by a group of gnolls, not too far from the crossroads trading post, only a day from here. Finn's eyes rolled as he heard this last bit, 
and as he put his hands firmly on the counter, he said, Now, if you think that I'm going to go in there and fight an entire group of gnolls to recover some mystery parcel for you, the pay better be good. I am willing to offer you 400 gold pieces for the four of you to split evenly if you can retrieve this parcel. Morris, who still was not accustomed to this way of life, hearing about that much money being handed over, knew two things. One, he would likely eat very well and live very comfortably after even just this job alone. And two, there was definitely a reason why somebody was willing to pay 400 gold pieces to retrieve something like this. Finn started rolling the figures around in his mind and then questioned Silverfingers yet again. Well, what is it inside the parcel? Well, unfortunately, I do not know much of it, but I do know it is alchemical supplies, apparently some strange pollen from an island off the coast. It's got some sort of alchemical effect that can render people unconscious for long periods of time. It's not my business to know about it, but I was given a fair warning of this, and I've passed this warning on to everyone in hopes that nobody will mess with this parcel. After Finn turned back, looked around at the members of his group, he turned back to Silverfingers and held out his hand for a shake. Silverfingers smiled at this and began to prepare the items that he had promised to the party. Two sets of studded leather armor would be given to the party members, as well as a spear and a mace. He had also prepared bedrolls and water skins for the entire party, as well as ten torches and a flint and steel. Armed with this new equipment, Morris had taken the spear and Nem had taken the mace, leaving Teriad still with his staff and Finn with his short bow. Morris and Nem also took the suits of studded leather armor, which matched Finn's studded leather armor. Morris and Nem were also able to swindle a couple of shields out of their bargain, bringing Nem's armor class to 7, and Morris's armor class down to 6. Finn's armor class remains 7, and Teriad, wearing leather armor with a shield as well, has an armor class of 7. At this point, the party find themselves on the way to a tavern, hoping to get some drinks that they deserve and some rest that they desperately need. Finn is quick to recommend the most popular tavern in town, the Smoke and Sap Inn and Tavern. As the four companions enter the tavern, the smell of roasted pheasant seems to assail the nostrils, almost as much as the smell of a stale smoked ale. The party were all hungry enough that just about anything would have been an appetizing enough smell for them, but this smell was certainly one that caught all of their attention, especially Nim, who, when it came time to pay for rooms and meals and drinks for the evening, decided to put down a few extra silver pieces to cover the rest of his bill, as he planned on eating twice as much and drinking twice as much as everybody else in the party. But as the party sat down at one of the long benches, which is customary in Delagrad, for a communal-style eating. The party were seated not too far from a couple of trappers who certainly looked out of sorts and like they were dealing with some sort of great tragedy. After the four members of the party shot glances at one another to listen in, this is what they heard. 
evening. I checked your snares for you, like you asked. All of them sprung. Nothing to show. You left them out too long. Yeah, I know. But I need to stay close to home. I'd heard about your old lady and the other washerwoman down to the river. All caught the sleeping sickness. Bad magic, that. The attention of the party was fully fixated on these men at this point, and it was very quickly apparent to the two men having the conversation as they looked over and saw the four of them staring back at them. Realizing that they had been heard, they immediately scooted down in their seats, a foot or so away from the party. After about an hour's time, when the gentlemen got up and left, the four members of the party decided to converse about it, and swiftly came to the agreement that after their current quest was over, they would certainly look into this, as there seemed to be some sort of a promise of reward for whatever solution they might be able to find. As the four members of the party headed off to bed, this is the first time in a long time they've been able to comfortably get some rest which is the perfect time to talk about experience points in this campaign. I don't want the campaign to be bogged down by having tons of numbers, and having to give out vast amounts of treasure is maybe not the best for podcasting, but I'm willing to take that risk. So what I plan on doing is the classic one gold piece equals one point of experience that we've all come to know and love in old school gaming, or hate, and I'm going to see how this does in the podcast. If I find that it's not perfect, or even something that's awful, we can change it later. But whenever I have to add experience points to the party, I'm simply going to tell you what percentage of XP they've reached. So, for instance, after all the questing of the first three episodes, our party has a total of 1360 XP to split amongst the four of them, which comes out to 340 points each, meaning that Finn, for example, is at 28% of the total XP he needs to become level 2. Morris is at 17%, Nem, 15%, and Teriad, 23%. I think that this sort of quick summarizing of XP allows for an easy sense of progress, and I think that it is one that's not going to take too much away from the vibe of the show. Chapter 4, Part 2 Day 5. Party status. Morris. 8 out of 8 hit points. Nem. 8 out of 8 hit points. Finn. 4 out of 4 hit points. Teriad. 5 out of 5 hit points. So as the four men leave the tavern in the morning, preparing to travel south on the bay path towards the crossroads trading post, They all went downstairs to eat some sausages as well as some biscuits before leaving. Curiously, the tavern owner went over to the bulletin board on the wall near the tavern's bar and he began to put up a single piece of parchment with a scribbled on face that at the top read in bold letters, Wanted, Dead or Alive. The man's face in the image, rather plain looking if not attractive man's face, with a dark mustache, dark eyebrows, short dark hair parted in the middle and drafted to the sides behind his ears. Beneath this picture said the word reward, and beneath that, 2,000 gold pieces. 
While the party certainly didn't have the time to be picking up a third opportunity for a chance to make money, it definitely caught their interest, and each one of them made a personal note to keep that man's face in mind, as well as remember the name at the top of the document. Talgor, the master of fear, bandit leader, dangerous, armed, not to be trusted. The road from Oak Hollow to the Crossroads Trading Post was an uneventful travel. There were no random encounters, and there were no strange sights on the road. Instead, it was a rather tranquil and peaceful trip. Terriad was able to provide many stories, jokes, and some hiking songs, much to the distaste of the party, but it kept everything lively enough and interesting enough so that nobody was bored on their travel. When they saw the walled fortification of the crossroads, they knew that they were in a place that was suited for a group of companion adventurers. Mercenary guards who stood out front of the entrance passed them through after having them pay a small toll to enter. A silver piece of person was a steep price, but not too steep when they considered the safety of the walled barricade. Upon entering the crossroads trading post, all the smells of tanners and leather workers seemed to fill their nostrils. A truly horrible smell, but one that reminded them of where they were, the frontier. Hard-working hunters and trappers were all abound, walking to and fro with their catches and their kills, preparing their goods and bringing them off to their carts, their horses, or off to the local bazaar. Wood smoke drifted from some of the small cottages that were within this walled structure, as well as from the large tavern named the Silver Spoon. The party, aching from their travel, decided to head immediately to this place, seeing posted outside a wanted poster for the same man they had seen just earlier in Oak Hollow. As Finn paused to get a better look at the poster, to see if there was any difference in information or any discrepancies, a small and meek-looking man approached Finn. I rolled a random encounter for this section to see if they would find any interesting humanoid encounters within the walls of the Crossroads Trading Post. Unfortunately, I got a bandit. But I tried to think of a way to make this a more interesting situation, as this party was about to head off and go get into a very brutal fight with a very brutal series of foes. I figured maybe just maybe this bandit is looking for money just like the rest of the bandits, and for that reason, as long as there's a reward on the line, he's willing to do a good honest day's worth of adventuring instead of banditry. Unfortunately, this humanoid appears to be something of an unpleasant one. I rolled for an alignment and a class and I unfortunately got a chaotic evil assassin. I decided to name the man Econ. Let's roll for a reaction to see what we get. Finn, with his plus one, unfortunately got a decent number, a 10. So let's see how this rolls out. The small meek man leans in closer to Finn and says, Hey, I see you looking at that poster. Are you looking for him too? Finn, ever the polite individual when he was afraid of a stranger, said, Well, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, with 2,000 gold pieces on the line, who wouldn't be on the lookout, right? The small man's face went to an inquisitive one, before resolving to a smile. 
Hey, you're funny. I like that. Yeah. What are you doing here anyway? Finn, who was thrown off by how inquisitive and strange this man was, could not resist the urge to be honest with him. Uh, well, we're currently on a quest to recover a parcel and deal with some gnolls, uh, not too far from here. Our intel said it was in an abandoned hamlet called Lita. You ever heard of Lita? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. No, I've heard of Lita. I, I, I could actually show you the way if, if you uh, are willing to have me. Finn quickly looked back over his shoulder to see if his party was willing to help him come up with some sort of an excuse to throw this man off their trail. But unfortunately, the rest of the party had already walked into the tavern, leaving him completely by himself. Finn looked back at this man with a smile and said, I didn't catch your name. What was it exactly? My name's Econ, and I'm happy to join you. As he reached a hand forward to shake Finn's hand in an agreement, Finn held out his hand to shake it as well, though couldn't really understand what compelled him to do so. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a 5-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.